but football is out finding them. You play a football match, it's out finding them. It's going to be the greatest game in the world. If there's no people there to watch it, it becomes nothing. Good evening, good evening. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Jungle Gym's Tuesday TikTok. Today is Tuesday the 4th of October and it is myself and McGinty in the house. I believe that Paddy is having a pedicure, his monthly pedicure. But McGinty, how do you It's about as best an excuse as he's came up with so far for missing all these podcasts that he keeps missing. You just kind of get the staff nowadays. Uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm back from my jaunt down to uh, sunny Glasgow this weekend. Managed to see um, Brian Cox doing his space talk on Sunday night. But more importantly, managed to see a mother- the Celtic Motherwell game on Saturday. Happy days. What was Brian Cox exactly talking about? Was he talking about that fucking black holes? That that rocket that NASA sent into space to break up that asteroid to demonstrate nah, nah, nah. we can avoid, avoid Armageddon and we don't need Bruce Willis. No, surprisingly, he never actually touched on I touched on that at all. I thought he might have brought that up, even like in the obviously it's, it's a show that he's got, like it was, it was a lecture really. Um, but I'm surprised he didn't open with something about that or kind of toss it in there. But no, it's all about black holes, universes. Um, the event horizon, singularity, if you go through a black hole and stuff. Really, really smart stuff. I have no idea what you tell me, though. I just sat there and nodded. It sounds beyond my intellectual capabilities. However, a very, very warm welcome to the viewers, each and every one of you. Hope you are all doing well. And posh dudes tonight. Exactly, exactly, Frank. So if our accents are too refined for you, or if we use any words which you've never heard of, then I'm afraid you're fucked. Okay, you're just going to gonna go on with it. Um, again, to the viewers, welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope you're all doing well. Um, a few topics to talk about tonight. Of course, McGinty, you yourself, you made the pilgrimage down to sunny Glasgow and you came from north of Timbuktu and you came down to see the Glasgow Celtic, yourself and your old man. I hope you had a fantastic time. We will talk about that. You, you crossed from land, sea and shore. Um, of course, there's the Battle of Britain, which is, uh, we're, all, we're all thinking about it right now. Liverpool and Glasgow as of course, the Eurovision Song Contest. Where will we be <laughs> Fucking love that. Love <laughs> I wondered where you're going with that one. Uh, where should it be held? Hopefully in Liverpool. I can't be honest dealing with any of the crap of oh look, you're part of the UK, you're welcome. I'll just give it to Liverpool. We know it's a sympathy shit if they give it to us anyway. Exactly, exactly. They'll probably need the money from the tourism after the damage that the ugly cunts have done tonight. Well, um, just ask we- Manchester. Did we can touch back on the, the Celtic and Motherwell game at the weekend? Uh, we've got the game tomorrow night. 
the, um, the Energy Drink Football Club against Celtic uh, could be an interesting one. And of course, we've got a lot riding on tomorrow night. Um, and everything and anything other Celtic uh, affiliated topics, we get to keep bringing up any any um, Frank Brennan negative comments and anyone else <laughs> that as well. Um, hi. Uh, so let's talk about your pilgrimage then. So you came down from north of Timbuktu, from the Shetland Islands, down to um, to Glasgow. You brought the weather with you. Thank you for that. Been- you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, we actually sailed through that bloody storm on Friday night. Uh, managed to get into Aberdeen. had to book a car and, sorry, hire a car. Built it in the the A nine and whatnot, whatever fucking road I ended up being on A ninety. Um, just made it to the game. It was five minutes late getting in um, into the game, but just managed to make it. Good game, I felt. Um, listened to the radio on the car on the way home after the game, and between BBC Scotland and bloody Clyde One, it sounded like Celtic had a, a terrible game, as if we were lucky to get a win, as if as if we're struggling with it. I think I watched a different game from everybody else. I thought we played a good game of football, middle to front, exciting. Not the best tempo we've seen so far this year, but we definitely looked like we're capable of getting a few goals. The back line, yeah, there's shaky moments in there with those two in the middle. It's a bit of a, if we've not got Carter Vickers there, then whatever pairing we have of Jens, Welsh or Starfelt is a bit of a, a hairy moment at times. But overall... I thought we played a good game of football on Saturday. Came out deserved winners. Interesting, interesting perspective. I've listened to a couple of the Celtic podcasts, following on from that game. Um, I actually think that me and you were sitting at exact opposite ends. So where you were in the the north, I was in the opposite end in the south. Um, I wouldn't go as far as to say that it was a good game. By the way, we got the three points. That is the, the most important thing. And after an international break, sometimes it can be difficult to kind of pick things up and start off well, but we got there in the end. Um, so there's a lot of questions about it, a lot of pros and cons. And I, I've heard from the Celtic podcast online and on Twitter, a, a lot of a, a diversity of opinions. I, I think that would be the, the kindest thing to say about that. Um we did break it down. Celtic and Motherwell 2-1. Um, well, I thought Hatati was justified in being man of the match. I thought in the second half, he really picked it up. He hit one off the post, which was, he just hit it from like, it was almost like a kind of dead ball situation, almost like that wasn't a set piece. But he, he rattled one off the post. The goalkeeper never knew anything about it. And then he managed to repeat that feat but actually score this time. And that was, of course, the winner, the, the one that, that, that made it 2-1. However, going from the the, the, the sublime to the ridiculous, um, and there were a couple of ridiculous moments from Celtic, Hatati's backward pass, um, he did it off the cuff, he did it first time to Cal McGregor, but Louis Moult was primed and ready. He got he got the, the head start on McGregor, and McGregor had to do the, the captain sacrifice, the noble act of pulling the man down and it resulted in a red card. It wasn't a penalty, it was too far out, but it was a red card from the official's perspective. Another um, ridiculous moment was, of course, the mix-up between Juranovic and Hart, the chest back to the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper had already rushed out. Um, so, 
good moments, bad moments. Uh, what was your your biggest howler of the day? Was it the 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 pass back? It has to be the pass back. I the complete lack of communication. The amount of times I've seen that goal back now, and every time I watch it, you start to see, you, you start to piece it together in your head. Right? Why is Hart done that? Why is he rushing out somewhere? And why is Josip Juranovic chesting doing into an area that the keepers know there? And the more you watch it, the more you realise they just don't communicate at all. Hart's busy reading the flight of the ball and running out, and Josip's doing the same thing. And neither of them have taken a second to look at the other one and realise. You're about to do what I think I'm going to do. And it's a calamity, absolute calamity. Made even more silly to see it with the scramble from Hart as he tries to, to salvage it, but the damage is well and truly done. For me, I'll go back to what I said at the start. I think I watched a different game from some people because we scored two goals. We skipped the woodwork twice. I think we were always on the front foot. I think their game plan was always to slow the game down, to disrupt the game. From the word go, they kicked the ball away numerous times when it's a free kick to us. They threw the ball down the line when we were having a throw in just to try to stop us doing that quick throw in that we do nowadays. The entire game plan was to disrupt us and stop us playing our game. That was it. I don't think they really had a shot on target until late on into the game. I don't think Joe Hart was really troubled apart from the calamity own goal. We could have won that. I've not looked at SG. I know I've talked about SG in the last couple of weeks and stuff. I'm not going to bother looking at it. But it felt like one of those games where we should have got three or four goals. And I don't see anything that they offered that would have said that they would have generally got a goal. So I felt it was a good game. Motherwell had shite tactics. Like, you look at the situation and they've got me facing that they had nothing to offer. They were just slowing the play down from very, very early on. Um. Yeah, slowing the play down from very, very early on. They they offered a bit of physicality up front. I felt that they targeted uh, Greg Taylor. Greg Taylor had one tough afternoon, I will say that. Um, Physically-wise, like, Greg Taylor doesn't stop trying. You can never, ever fault the guy for heart. Um, he never had his best games, but that's because of the amount of pressure that he was put under. Um, he didn't stop trying. However, there was a lot of loose passes. And yeah, up front, Motherwell offered fuck all. And as we said, they get a goal from uh, from an own goal um, from complete disorganisation from Celtic. Um, by the way, the referee, the referee, okay, John Beaton. Um, now, when I watched it, like, it's interesting whenever you, you're watching it in the ground and then when you go home and you watch the highlights. At first, I thought it didn't have such a bad game. When I, no, I, I, I had I, a terrible I, game. It had a terrible game. The penalty, it was it was a definite handball. It should have the been handball, a penalty. Yeah. Um, the replays I've seen that is definitely a handball. He, he took exceedingly long time to actually talk to somebody about their time wasting and flicking the balls away. There's one point where one of the Motherwell players in their half literally kicks the ball away. We put the ball down for a free kick and they kick it away 20 yards down. That's a straight booking. Any other day of the week, I've seen I've seen our players get booked years gone by for kicking the ball out and stuff like that. It's a straight booking. Doesn't get spoken to about it. He lets the frustration build because he knows himself what that's doing to us as a team. That will get us frustrated and we'll start with the slack passes which starts to show and guys like Jens and Welsh as you go back. He let that happen so many times. The penalty claim, the, um, the, the quickness eventually then to show Callum McGregor the red card even though at the time that I saw it, 
I thought it was a coming together of the two players rather than an, an actual foul. But I'm not going to be too harsh because any other day of the week you see that happen against us, we're going to shout for a red card until you realise Welsh is 10 yards to the side and running in. He's not the last man, but instantly. And I know it's a different referee, but we all seen the comparisons to the the Sands against Ross County player where he drags him to the ground and the, the referee at the time was a different referee. It's a shrug, an, an animated shrug of, eh. Whereas this referee, straight to the red card, the quickest he moved for a card the entire game. I know, I know. McGinney, I want, I want to talk to you about that, but, you know, like, kind of player power, whenever you feel an injustice on the park and it's the team's obligation to express that to the referee. And I, I don't feel that with Celtic, that we're not, we're not aggressive enough and, like, pushing for referees. I know that the, the officials are trying to kind of temper that and, and with the rules of the law, but I think with Beaton, that sometimes you need to watch how you're talking or where you're walking, or you and your players might be linked in shock. You think sometimes we just can't, we can't let like, pressure the referees enough. Yeah, um, he, he comes across it. This is definitely green tinted specs here, but it's not without some merit. He comes across as a type of person who's going to be very happy to stamp his authority onto a game if he can punish a Celtic player for it. But when it comes to the other team that's playing against Celtic or whatever way you want to cut that up, you know, games against other teams against Rangers and whatnot, he'll be a lot more lenient and make it look like I'm trying to make the game flow. He's no. He picks and chooses when he's going to stamp his authority, but there's, I say, there's many times in that game he could have at least talked to them about the time wasting. Eventually one of them got booked for it, but that took a lot of booing and jeering from the crowd to make it audibly and vocally known, you're fucking, you're fucking this shit up. Yeah, it gets yeah. to the point where I mean, the refs and the players can hear this. He must have got to a point where he knew himself, I've not done enough, and they're getting on my back. This is going to make me look bad. I need to act and do something now. And that's why somebody eventually gets a yellow card for well into the game. But somebody brings up the game. Uh, if Beaton's given us that penalty, Michael Mayer, exactly. If we get the penalty or one of those woodwork shots goes in, it's a completely different game. We're not sitting here debating why do people think it was a tough game for us. It wasn't. We're not totally. cheated, we won, but again, the goal we conceded was our downfall. The fact that we look a little bit shaky at the back is because Jens and Welsh apparently can't pass a ball 10 yards to anybody. We make ourselves look bad. We were never challenged by Motherwell. Yeah, and um, with the introduction of VAR, I'm not going too much into VAR, but when I watched how it's been embedded in England and how they've, they've fared year after year challenging the rules challenging the implementation and what we've got to work with. I think like too much television watching has got me chasing dreams right now and I don't think that we're going to be implementing VAR as well as what England are doing right now. We've got a lot of hurdles to overcome. Um, so overall, we won 2-1 against Motherwell. Um, I, I thought that Hatati was, as I said at the start, man of the match. However, he did have a howler with that pass back, which uh, McGregor had to had to uh, um, make 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 the the king sacrifice. Um, yeah, it, it's it's one of those. As, as I say, in the instant when I watched it, I was I was right in line um, in the scene watching it, and the way it looked to me was it's just they came across each other, and the way the Motherwell's players going doing it, it almost looks like he's half turning to drag McGregor doing with him because I'm not meaning any malice in that. It's just it's a coming together of, of two players, but you can see why it should you. 
McGregor's done it. He's, he's made himself presence known. He's made himself in that position. He knows what's about to come. He didn't really grumble against it. It is what it is. You're going to take it. I, Especially I, at that time. I've got, I've got no qualms. I, I know that some Celtic supporters are saying that Welsh was covering. If you've got that opinion, then fair enough, because it's not it's not black and white. You know what I mean? It's subjective. However, I think I think the majority of, of people are saying it was a red card. Uh, we've got Frank Brennan, uh, always a positive chat. I hope you're doing well, Frank, tonight. Uh, what's never been discussed by anyone is that Ange has never, ever been drawn into or instigated any discussions about any refereeing decisions or the standard of referees and the team reflects this too. It is quite interesting that Ange doesn't go into the trenches and throw in mud back and forth. Um, I think Rangers have been guilty of that by uh, like, like, like complaining to the SFA about officials. We don't really stoop to that standard. However, I wouldn't say it's beneath us because if things get that bad, for example, if VAR gets introduced and things get really fucking bad, then by all means we should do that. We can't we can't hold ourselves to a certain standard to say, oh no, we're too we're we're the moral pulpit of Scottish football and we don't resort to that. If things do get that bad, then we have to. But at this moment, Ange is not doing that. Uh, do you think that's like a, a, a kind of a Celtic policy, or do you think it's a, a character of our manager, Paul Sokoglu, that he doesn't go down to those those depths? Or do you uh, think he's capable of doing if, if the, 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 the situation merits it? I wouldn't say it's a, a policy we have. Um, we are a club that does like to try and keep our media relations to a minimum, if we can. Uh, yeah, no, it's bad. Answer. I take the transfer rumours stuff. We we don't bite into it. We don't give give much leeway. We we leak a lot of information when we need to, but we don't go through the whole. We're signing eighteen thousand players in one week and all this crap, and we don't drum up the thirty million bids every two weeks from every other club in China or anything like that, or random statements because somebody stole our ice cream one day. We're, we're no media. We're no that way inclined with the media, and I think that maybe shows a little bit in the personalities that we have at the club sometimes, where you get a guy like Ange who isn't going to belittle. I mean, we all know Ange has not got any time for the media, even before he came to Scotland. Um, so I don't think he's going to play their game and get involved in that. And I don't think they're willing to actually do it because as soon as they do that, they don't know for sure if it's going to make us look like the 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 kind of spoilt brat ones who are throwing the toys at the pram of somebody like Ange who's very very good at manipulating the media when he has to if the heel turn it around and make them look like the bloody idiots again mm-hmm. and again talking about Ange um, staying, staying with that, that particular topic um, there has been um, where are we now we're in the early early October yeah early October and uh, there's been a few departures of uh, managers and the, the EPL which is it happens, it happens, it happens up here, happens down there. And um, so the media, the Scottish media in particular, has been linking Ange to various posts. Um, I, I'm actually I'm racking my brain to think of uh, the, the latest one anyway is Wills. Um, mm-hmm. Bruno, Bruno, pardon me, Bruno Lage, he, got, he gets sacked. Um, 
and there's been a, a couple of others as well. Um, however, with the way that Celtic are right now, like in the middle of the Champions League, from our perspective, it'd be madness for Postacoglu, from a fan's perspective, for him to go to England. Uh, but the media, nonetheless, they're trying to fill columns and they're trying to sell papers and they're doing this. I don't know if it's just indicative of the Scottish press. I don't know if the, the English media are completely um, oblivious to the to the links that they're not tempted to kind of fabricate these these uh, these uh, these threads between Postecoglou and uh, the English football clubs. Uh, what what what's your what's your comments as a as a, a football fan? What's your your thoughts as a Celtic fan about seeing Postecoglou being linked to these vacancies which are occurring now, which are popping up in England? Do you think it's do you think it's all smoke, no fire? Yeah, I think there's some smoke there. Um, I don't think it's from Angie's camp, though. Uh, I, I said this a, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Angie's here for the challenge of doing something with Celtic in Europe. He wants to make a stamp with his name attached to it that makes Celtic a good club in Europe again, and he will go from there to his next challenge. And his next challenge is going to be to win something. And I'm not saying he's going to go to a Champions League winning side. Probably very unlikely he does that straight from Celtic. But he's going to go to a club that's at least going to be challenging for Silver when it's domestic league. That's not Wolves or West Brom or Brighton's or whoever else it is. Is he going to get an Arsenal job or Liverpool job off the back of Celtic? Very unlikely. But I could see him moving to another country where he well, would get that opportunity and then I step up again. Sorry for interrupting you. I was going to kind of ask you your thoughts about why the media are fabricating these links. And the other question I was going to ask is just to kind of highlight, I, I'd, I'd, correct me if I'm wrong, okay, but in chronological order, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, okay, shout me out, and the viewers shout me out too. So John Barnes, he was sacked. Martin O'Neill, he left of his own accord. Strachan, he left of his own accord. Mowbray, he was sacked. Neil Lennon, first, first tenure, he left. Dyla, he left by mutual agreement. Rogers, he left. He left prematurely and it fucking hurt. And he, he ripped out the furniture. And then Lenny, second time around, he at that point, left by mutual consent, but we all knew that he was getting sacked. So, overall, there's not been too many acrimonious departures from Celtic. So I wanted to ask you, whenever Ange Postecoglou leaves us, whenever that might be, how do you envisage that? Do you think, like, I heard that old, um, that, that, that phrase in that Batman movie in, in the, the Dark Knight, you either um, you stay the hero long enough to become the villain, or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, go back to the, 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 the links just now briefly. I don't think I'm just pushing these links, but they're inevitable that they're going to come up. As I said to you a couple of weeks ago, what Andrew's doing at Scotland, in Scotland with Celtic is being noticed around European football right now by other chairman, directors and managers. They're taking note of it. They're not going to come in and start signing them, but he's making he's making headlines in the football world. So when these jobs are coming available, it's inevitable that the media is going to think to try and 
who, who who's up next a hot, hot manager who's up and coming and Andrew's that he's the you know you've had the the guy free Salzburg can't remember his name um a couple of years ago we were linked to him as well um you've got a couple of names that have always been kind of oh you're the next hot hot manager that's coming out of Europe Andrew's that but he's not ready to go to a big club and I don't think he's pushing for that but the media up here are happily going to run with that because they will just love to try and upset us, disrupt us, put the the fear there that he's going to jump ship and leave. Bring it back to your next question then, how do I see that point when Ange does eventually leave? Yeah. I Ideally, it's at the end of a season that we've won something and he goes out on a bang. Preferably, it's not like Rogers did. And speaking with a couple of the guys in the pub on Saturday night, what Rogers did is kind of always going to leave that mark on us that says you can't trust your feelings on any manager. And as much as I think that Andrew's going to stay here until he's taken the club as far as he can to make a mark in Europe or realise that you know he's been hamstrung by, by a board, which so far is all good, um, I think he will leave at the end of a season, maybe three years into this. He's not going to leave at the end of this year. It's too soon. He's not making a mark in Europe. He might leave at the end of next year. But I think there's a bigger chance he'll sign a long-term deal before he'll jump ship quickly to a Wolves or West Brom or something in the middle of the season when he's he's still in the midst of the challenge. He doesn't come across as a guy who's going to walk out early without having completed. So I know he's left uh, Japan, but he completed what he had to do as a challenge in Japan. He went there to prove that he can win in a different country. And yeah. he has. He's proven that to himself and to anybody who's, you know, his dad when he was here and whatnot. He's proven that he can win. Now he needs to prove that he can compete at a higher level. And that's not Scotland. You don't go from Japan to Scotland to prove you can win a Scottish medal. You come here to prove that you can take a team like us and challenge in European football, make a mark. We'll do that and then he'll leave at the end of whatever that season is, potentially. Hopefully it's a couple of years though. Hopefully, hopefully so, man. Um, I, I don't like the pattern of coaches doing three years here, three years there, and that only happens if you're actually successful. I would like coaches such as uh, Jurgen Klopp, who stayed longer than three years, for example, at Liverpool. You know, um, whenever you, you found a base and you're thriving and you keep thriving, I know that this season it's really not going according to plan, although tonight I, I hope that... Um, uh, Europe is a, a different beast um, compared to the other uh, domestic form. But I like the way that Jurgen Klopp has approached England and, and Liverpool. Um, and that he, he stayed and he strived, he's built a base. He's, um, and he's having to, you know, change a team that he's already built, you know. And I would like to see Posikoglu do that. Well, he's already made a lot of signings. Is building um, the, the, the 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 structure, the spine of the team, but I would like to see him stay for longer. Where he eventually, players will leave because they're, they're ambitious or they're not good enough, and there's going to be a turnover. I would like to see Postecoglou stay for longer, where he is able to oversee that and build on the bridges, the 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 working relationships that he's already made with the board, with the directors and he can bring in new players. And I, I would like to see that come to fruition where he stays for longer, where he just doesn't stay right now until it peters out. It continues, it continues. I would like to see how that how that flowers. 
and that that could be interesting. We've not seen it very often because, like, as a as a kind of reeled off, our most successful managers, Martin O'Neill, what was it? Three years, three. He got, he got the fourth. He got the fourth. The, the fourth was bad, and obviously he left because his wife, unfortunately, had a, a terrible illness. And Strachan, I think he he left in the fourth year, and again yeah. the fourth year was not very uh, memorable. Um, but yeah, and, and even Neil Lennon on his uh, his first tenure at Parkhead, he left. Because, well, he, he did very well. He got to the 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 the, 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 the last sixteen of the Champions League, and he did he could, but he left. He shouldn't have turned, he turned back, but I would like to see someone talented enough to 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 see through those few years and then turn it over again. Um, so I've made my point on that one. Um, however, um, I guess I guess uh, why not turn our attention to um, tomorrow night? Unless we've got any um, any particular comments that you want to bring up, but we do indeed have Red Bull Leipzig um, versus Celtic. Um, Gardeners Weekly with See How That Flowers, Gavin. Uh, thank you very much, mate. I was trying to be, uh, I'm trying to bring in the metaphors right now. Um, but I- I'm glad you're hanging with the posh cunts on that, that extended metaphor. You're doing very well, Francis Brennan. Um, so, the energy drum against Celtic tomorrow night, McGinty. Um, Leipzig have turned around, unfortunately. They got rid of the, um, the, the, the Tony Tedesco guy, and they brought in Marco Rose. Um, they've had three domestic games, two wins at home, but they get beat away, and that was to Gladbach. Um, I was going to ask you, if we don't get a point tomorrow night away in Germany, is it out of our hands to finish a second and actually play in the, 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 the last 16? No. It's not, but I think think we still need to take minimum four points off Donetsk and Leipzig Leipzig, to to have second place in our hands. But I don't think think getting beat tomorrow night in Germany is the end of that hope. But it does mean that we definitely need the the six points in the next two games and pray that something happens in the, in the last round. If we break it down, if we break it down, assuming, of course, that Real Madrid are going to beat everybody home and away, which is still a long shot, because historically Real Madrid in the, in the group stages normally throw up one surprise. But we've got a point away from home in Ukraine, technically in Poland. So we're going to assume, we're going to bank on the fact that we get three points at Parkhead against um, Shakhtar. If we get four points against their Shakhtar, then that would assume that we go above them, but we finish at least third. So this double header against Leipzig, a lot depends on it. If we're arrogant enough to assume that we're going to get three points at Parkhead against Leipzig, if we get this point, there's one really, really tough, tough point away in Germany. I don't know if we've ever, ever had a, a positive result in, Gem- in Germany, but if we do, then it really turns the tide in our favour. But I, I, I'm saying, I think I think it takes it out of our hands if we don't do that. But you're still you, you're still maintaining <laughs> optimism. It, it, it someone takes it out of our hands, but it's not impossible. It doesn't take it doesn't take it away from us. 
if we get the four points against Leipzig and four points against Donetsk, that's eight points we're on. And as you said, you, you kind of natural assumption is that Real Madrid are going to whitewash the rest of the group. So that means that Leipzig and Donetsk, if we've taken four points off them each, they've only got a point off us. Yeah, they only get a point off us between them. Um, sorry, point off us each, which means that they then their their two games against each other is what it comes down to. So so long as that goes in a, a certain way, which isn't too much bad, they can only get like four or five points, I think it would end up being, whereas we'll be safe on eight. And that will get us second place, assuming the rumour did whitewash everything else. It's, it's all a bit too much and a bit too early to try and calculate it all properly because you never know what happens. And as soon as we kick off tomorrow night, if the unthinkable happens and we get beat, then you know we have to do all this again. But we can do it. We, we've played Leipzig already uh, a couple of years back. We got a win off them. They also beat us. But at the end of the day, we, we can beat this team. They are beatable. Same as Donetsk are beatable. And we took a game to Real Madrid. So it's in, completely at this point in our hands. And I don't see why... I don't see why we go to Germany and we don't try and win the game. But you have to be a bit realistic and admit that they are a quality team. So they are going to try and put up a fight. And we are the underdogs in this tie. But we'll take four points off them. I'll take six points, happily, but we'll take four points off them. I'm fairly confident of that, at least. And um, from a, a Celtic fan's point of view, which is, of course, the whole the whole genre of this podcast, uh, what do you think, um, from the, the viewers' comments, if you could bring up, what's the expectations of tomorrow night? Because we lost against St. Mirren away. Terrible defeat. Thoroughly convincing defeat. It was a hard fought affair at Parkhead. A bit, a bit sloppy play. We've got injuries right now. So we'll get into the game tomorrow night. We'll get Cameron Carter Vickers, who's out. Um, there is a possibility that a badder, our, our right winger, might be out because of a, a religious um, holiday, which happened again last year with him and Nir Beaton. Totally understandable. Um, no, no recrimination if if uh, he does um, abstain from the game tomorrow night. It is with is. Um, uh, you also brought brought up the point that Moy even might be out. Um, by the way, you bite your hand off for a draw, mate. I would, I would because if we get the draw and we can beat them at home, then f- that's fucking gravy. But a, a draw, man, that, that that's going to be difficult. Um, so, and, and of course, Cameron Carter-Vickers and Starfield, both of them are out. So we're going to be looking at Jens and Stephen Welsh. Um, Abada and Moy are out tomorrow, Gav. Aye. Um, mate, it's going to be a difficult one. And like, people like Stephen Welsh, you think about like, coming of age, like, like Stephen Marshall, whenever they came, came of age against uh, Barcelona. Welsh is going to have to do that tomorrow night. We cannot carry any passengers. It's going to have to be man against man. You're going to have to take responsibility. You can't. You can't look at your big brother and say, "What do we do right now?" What's your expectations? And do you think that there's something about a, a kind of a shadow of pessimism with the Celtic support that it might actually work out well for us tomorrow night? The backline is the navy point. If, if Vickers, I, I see if we know Vickers isn't travelling, uh, Carter Vickers is out. So I presume Starfelt is still out. I'll hope the chat can 
confirm that or not, but I presume he is. Um, it, it now means that you're going to be playing Jens and Welsh again. They need to, they need to wisen up together. They need to get their passing on point. They they can both read a game reasonably well. They can both, you know, make the presence felt. But they get so nervous when they're on the ball and they're trying to pass it out to the fullbacks or something. The amount of slack passing is unbelievable. They need to figure that that one out. And they need to have done that two weeks ago now. Um, because we have dropped points because of sloppy defending at times. We have conceded goals because of lack of communications. And we're now about to play a team who are coming into a bit of form, as you said, they they kind of their tides turn in a bit, and they are a much bigger class, so they're gonna trouble us. And we need our backline to be on form because even with Moy Abada being out, I still think we've got more than enough in the middle front. In fact, for me personally, Moy being out is actually a godsend because then I don't need to watch him come on and slow the game down too much. But we've got more than enough in the middle of that park with the likes of McGregor, Hatati, O'Reilly, Turnbull, uh, even the new boy Albogard. More than enough in there to see a game out through subbing people on and off. And with the front line as well, Haksabanovic has been coming in quite a lot lately. I think he'll start the game tomorrow night if Abad is now obviously out. And you'll get Jota on the left, along with uh, probably Kyogo, I guess, if Giamakis is still missing. Is Giamakis still missing? He's back, as you know. No, he's back. He's back. He's back, isn't he? Um, I'd actually start Giamakis in, as opposed to Kyogo. But you have but. In that instance, you have to start Hatati and O'Reilly, who are going to be able to find that range of passing and get that ball forward to them. Because otherwise, go back to what happened when you played Aaron Moy in there and you made too many changes, you lose that connection between the middle and the front. Um, I think there's more than enough. There's more than enough front, middle to front. It's just that centre-back pairing that's going to be nervous tomorrow night. OK, well, McGinty, we're two games in now already in the Champions League. When you beat at home by Real Madrid, fair fox. We got a point away from home. Um, goodies, Frank. I, I, I would play Abulgard at centre half. Can he play there? He's played there before. Well, apparently he has played there before. People will probably disagree. Um, I, I will. I will trust Frank or anybody else who will say that or disagree with it. I don't know. I have never seen the guy before until the until Saturday, so I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. When he came on the park, the sheer presence and size of the boy, I could believe that he could play centre-half. He looks like he's probably been a centre-back before he became a midfielder. He's a big boy there. No, no. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that for a fucking second. In the Champions League, you get found out if you're not who you say you are. Um, McGinty, look, we're going to need our third game now in the Champions League. And death ain't nothing but a heartbeat away. We've got one point already, and we need to we need to salvage at least a point in Germany. And we've never done it before, but we need to do that to to keep alive our our, our dreams to to kind of get Champions League football after after Christmas. It's going to be a tough game. <laughs> I don't know what Marco Rose has brought to the Leipzig team. Um, probably more monster than fucking wings. Uh, if you're, you're going by the, the energy drinks theme. Um, but it could be a tough one. And I want, I want to ask you another question. Who starts on the right wing? We've got a dilemma here right now. We've got Maida, who offers so much in terms of work ethic. 
and he's a he's a proven goal scorer in uh, in uh, in Japan. He finished he finished the top goal scorer in the the, the J League, and then you get Maida, who for for his age has done fantastically well for Celtic last season. But both of them, that it's like pass the parcel, you know, and on the right wing sort of thing. Nobody is like asserting themselves to say I'm the fucking right winger. I'm the daddy. I'm going to play here. And Abad is the young guy. My dad is like about, what, I don't know, 20, 24. Um, nobody's really asserting themselves, and it's worrying because we've got critical games right now. And I, I, I see every fucking game right now, half an hour mark, one guy's getting hooked, the other guy's coming on, and they're just recycling that game after game. Um, McGinney... Definitely agree with Frank there. Um, it's been a question for all season, this right wing spot. I'll stand by, I think, Abada's the best right winger we've got. I think he's very direct. He's got a great shot on him. He needs to learn how to take a man on and turn a man, create a bit more space for himself to give himself that, that better opportunity at times. But that will come. He's only 20. That will come. Was he 21 now? Um, that will come as he gets older. He, he learns from his mistakes of not getting some of these goals that he should be getting. Um, I, I would honestly be starting Abada all the time, but we're talking about tomorrow night, merely anything else, and Abada's not going. So for me, I like Maeda. I think he offers us a lot. He's one hell of a workhorse. He's got a great engine on him, but he doesn't do it enough for me. I don't think we're playing him the right place. We keep playing him on the left or the right. I think he wants to be going through the middle a bit more. And if we're not going to allow him to go through the middle, because we've got Kyogo and Giamakis, which is completely understandable, I'd be starting Haksabanovic then instead, because Jotter's got the left wing spot. And anytime we keep moving Jotter to the right, as in starting a game on the right as the right winger, obviously they, they interchange throughout the game, which is good to see. But he's so much more effective on the left. And if you've got somebody on the right who can be effective and direct and force them back, which I think Haxabanovich has got mere chance of doing that than Maida does at this point, then I think that helps give you that 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 same idea on both sides where you're, you're causing them hassle so it stretches their play and when we move the ball fast, it releases Jota into better opportunities and likewise when it goes the other way again. It would be it would be Haxabanovich for me. Can I, can I ask can I ask the viewers, does anybody think, I'm not, not, not rubbishing what you're saying, but does anybody think that Haksabanovic can't play on the right? Because the way that I've seen him on YouTube clips and the way that he's been playing with Celtic so far and his cameo appearances, he's all he's rooted to the left and he's cutting in on the right. I don't know if he can do the same on the opposite side. And McGinty, another thing, on the right-hand side, okay, between Maida and Abada, We've got James Forrest, who's on the bench. Um, he's 31 years old, but will he live to see 32? The way things are going, I don't know what, what's happening with him. I think you would have seen him before now, this season, um, if he was going to get really any look into it. Whilst we've got options of Maida, Haxbanovich and Jota as the wingers for tomorrow night, two of those three are going to start. The third one's going to come off the bench. One of Giamakis and Keogo starts, and the other one comes off the bench. So that's two of your subs made from there. I don't see him bringing Forrest on. 
for a cameo tomorrow night when there's going to be more likely that we're going to make two substitutions in the central midfield and have to keep one in case there's something else happens in the back. I don't think Forrest gets much of a look in. He, he really doesn't seem to be in Angie's plans at all, or else you would see him a bit more. Same way, uh, what's his face? Paddy's lover boy, body, uh, Diesel McCarthy. As soon as as soon as soon Moyes came in, McCarthy's never been seen. McCarthy was only getting game time and getting an option off the bench because there really wasn't anybody else. But now we've got Moy, and we've now got the... The new guy, uh, I forgot his name already. I keep butchering it. Um, I will guard whoever he's. Yeah, I'll learn it. Um, with those two in, that pushes McCarthy so far down the pecking order. And I think it's the same with Forrest, unfortunately, because Forrest was a quality player for Celtic. He, he well deserves to see out his career here. But it's just a shame that he's 31 now and his career should have another three, four years in it. He, he can't, James Forrest can't let himself whittle away he needs to move on for his own sake or do something that gets him in the manager's mind but I just don't see it I don't see what he's going to do at that age it's it's different if you're a defender a goalkeeper even a fullback or a centre midfielder or like if, you, if you're playing in the spine of the team or a fullback you're okay but as a winger well even even like Ryan Giggs like the ultimate shagger who who was a left winger and whenever he got old and they couldn't use his pace, he he came into the the the, the centre midfield. Um, Forrest is now nah, his tenure at Celtic, unfortunately, is fucked. Um, he, he's got no longevity left at Celtic, and ironically, his younger brother, who's kind of moving up traje- trajectory wise, Forrest is going down the ladder. It happens, but. Forrest has made his money. Uh, for Frank Brennan, I think Kyogo, I, I love Kyogo to death. And he's one of our few class players that have seen him compared with a Swedish guy. But starting with um, Leipzig, he just must start to be more ruthless and taking goal chances. That was a question I wanted to ask you, McGinty. Tell I... me, why are we, with our love for Kyogo, why are we so blind to see that he's not as prolific as what we think he is. Yeah, I think he is. Um, I'll need to get it up in a minute or two. I saw somebody post this on Twitter earlier on. Uh, I think it is your your Rangers boy, uh, Kolak, that's the top goal scorer just now in the SPFL. Fuck by what, I Aye, but by one goal, and I'm sure, is it not Kyogo that's got eight goals and he's one goal behind him? But the next... That like the top five or six positions in the the charts is littered with Celtic players. Abada's there, I think somebody else is there. Turnbull's no, not Turnbull. I don't. There's three or four Celtic players that make up that, and only the one Rangers player that makes up like the top ten goal scorers in the league so far. We've got goals throughout that front three and in the middle. We don't rely on Kyogo to score. 25, 30 goals in a season because we know if he's only going to score fifteen. That Jim Max is scoring another 15 or 20, and Abad is scoring 12 or 14, and so forth and so forth. We've got goals everywhere. I'm not that worried about it, but I do agree with Frank, and I'm going to bring this into liking it with currently what I feel is happening. I worry what's about to happen with Joe Hart. Kyogo needs to be that little bit more ruthless. I think, as much as I think he is the second top goal scorer just now, he does feel like he's just not hitting the stride that he had last year. 
So he needs to really find that form before Geomacus really comes back into the fold fitness-wise and Geomacus really does take the, the start and birth off him. And I think similar could start to happen with Hart and Seagrass. Tomorrow night, if Hart doesn't show up properly or if he makes a, a, a bit of a blunder, he might very well see himself being replaced for a short period of time with Seagrass to see what the alternative is. That that that's fair. That's fair. But continuing on with our lack of um, uh, proficiency, I go. You remember the first um, game at Parkhead of the season, uh, two 0 against Aberdeen. The big warning of Postecoglou was you need to take your chances, and I think he said that because you can take it for granted domestically, but don't take it for granted uh, for the European campaign which is coming up. And the European the European campaign, we've been found short. We had chances against Real Madrid. We never took them. Abada, Kyogo, um, Maida, we never took them. And then, of course, uh, the, 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 the Shakhtar game, we never took our chances. And now we've only got one point out of a possible, you know, it could have been better. And we're going to the game tomorrow night against the Germans. And we're going to play Kyogo. But Kyogo, he depends on service. And if we can't get the service to him, then he's he's nullified. Uh, you need to get you need to get point on service to Kyogo because he's not going to like cause a presence like Jack and Marcus would. We need to compliment him. And that, that that's a fair point. I, I think um and, and, and again the 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 submitting game about our finishing was pish, and uh, our finishing at the weekend against Motherwell wasn't great either. As much as I love Kyogo, he's not. I don't even know if he's prolific as Scott McDonald. Controversial, but oh, that that's a stat that I'd have to to spend a bit of time actually looking into all the minutes played and all the rest of it. And considering that one's only been here for just over twelve months. Another one played in the, the Scottish League for quite a few years before he even came to us. I think I think we would need more data as such. But without boring the rest of the podcast too much with stats and data in that sense, I've got the uh, the top goal scorers for the league just now. It is Kolak that's at the top with eight goals. But then joint second is Kyogo with seven. Then you've got a bad on six. And Jotter's joint fifth with four goals. We've got goals throughout. And this is only what seven games into the league, and we've got people on four, five, six, and seven goals just now making up the top 10. There's only one Rangers player, the entire thing is going through Kolak just now. And we can see that when they play, they get the this the, the close wins, and it's because he's bailed them out. He's a decent player, let's admit it. But for us, it's not a worry. Kyogo, he does need to be a bit more ruthless for his own sake of keeping his position. Not because he's slacking in goals, but because Geomachus is definitely making his presence known and he's definitely offering us something different. And I think a lot of us as fans are really seeing the benefit of playing a Geomachus-style striker with the two runners on him rather than playing the three runners that is Kyle, Jota and Maeda. So I think we just personally prefer And I think if Geomachus comes back fully fit and starts banging the goals, more regular than Kyle goes, then it's a natural progression that Geomachus gets the, the starting spots, surely. It's an interesting one. I was wondering how Martin O'Neill would approach it. Hey, Martin O'Neill would have a manager right now. Would he well, play... Get, he would 
definitely be playing both of them. Both of them up front, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think he would. I think he would. A physical, but a little and large. And Mark Manuel is a very, very old-fashioned. You know, he's um, he's a he's a he's a, a disciple of um, uh, cloth. So I think yeah. he would do the little and large. Um, whereas people at Postacoglu, he's more kind of ideological and playing. You're one guy, your favourite guy. Even if you've got a very, very good guy. In the reserves, I think he'll still play his favourite guy. And that's the other thing. Martin O'Neill had his own favourite people, you know. He had his own favourite senior players, and he wouldn't really deviate that much. He'd occasionally bring in a youth prospect if there was an opening, but they wouldn't occupy that if they were good enough. Liam Miller got that um, for, for a mm. bit, but Sean Maloney got it for a bit. Um, Aidan McGeady in, in his final, final season, but I don't know how how flexible Posakoglu is to his his, his favourite favourite eleven. Oh well, yeah, he's rotating on the right wing, but I don't know how how um how how flexible he is and how open minded he is to to other people. I think he is, but I think he's I think he's a fast learner. You take Kyogo playing on the left wing uh, last season against them. You, you take uh, some of the younger talents that he gave opportunities to, even looking at Boson Lowell, for an example, this year coming in at preseason and stuff, Dane Murray the year before. I think he quickly realises when players aren't ready or just aren't suited and he just doesn't bother with them. McCarthy, again, I go back to what I said earlier, he was played out of more of a necessity for rotating that midfield throughout games because we've got the luxury of five subs and it keeps them fit and stops him from burning out. But as soon as he had an opportunity, he knew that McCarthy wasn't the right player for his system, and he drops him out. Take the right wing example of a... It looks like he doesn't know what his, his best right winger is, but it's not because there's a, two or three of them are absolutely dire, we just can't get one to sing a song. It's because there's two or three of them are actually really freaking good, and he wants to play them all, and he's flexible to figure out how to get them in, swapping them left to right, putting a batter through the middle at times if he has to, all this kind of stuff. He's willing to experiment a little bit, but he learns very quickly not to do things again. Or so far, it seems that he does. Because not often you've seen Kyle go out on that left since he realised it doesn't happen. I think it has once or twice throughout a game it's kind of happened, but he's not really went back to that of, yeah, let's see how that works. And try and get Jim Akis and Kyle on at the same time, that, but he just doesn't do it. I agree, I agree, I agree. I, I love the fact that you're buying into that because Paddy, uh, who's getting his manicure tonight, um, he he thinks that all our front three are like Swiss army knives and they can all operate as a front three. Um, hi, boys. Good to have you. Joe Curran, hope you're doing well. Uh, Paddy, um, who's um, getting his uh, toenails painted right now, he thinks that our front three can operate in any way. Hugo cannot, in my opinion, not operate on the left or the right. He's not he's not fast enough and he doesn't have the, the, the trickery like a Jota or the, the, he, the he's, yeah, the he's wasted. He's wasted no, there. No, no. So um so McGinty, um I wanted to ask you two questions, if I can remember before we kind of wrap up for tonight. Uh first off. 
you did the pilgrimage down to um uh to Glasgow. Uh what what pub did you go to after the game? Uh I ended up in the picture house uh in Rutherglen afterwards. All oh, right, okay. I thought yeah. you might have ended up in a Gallagher. No, no, cheap beer, cheap beer, close to home, well, close, close to where 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 I was crushing my head for the night. You might have went into the Vogue. Um, no, I was going to be popping in, but some of the people were with um, can't, shall we say? Um, so yeah, you remember, just, uh, you remember what you did in the Vogue a couple of years back? Uh probably not. If I had drink involved in me, with a laptop, it was oh, a laptop. yeah, oh Christ, I. Let's just move on. Let's just move on. And <laughs> uh, in, in the Vogue uh, a number of years ago, was that was that a, a European game? I believe so. They were trying to get uh, uh, the laptop connected to the TV, so I think it's been many, many years. Ago. One guy in uh, a, a particular establishment using a laptop. And he was using that to screen the game to everybody in the pub and begin to get a little bit too close to the laptop. He had a pint. Fucking hell, man. And he spilled it over the laptop and he cancelled the night. The laptop went frizzle. Oh. He went out and McGinty began to get chased out of Rutherland that night. Uh, a horrible, yeah. horrible... The less, said, the less said the better. I've never, I've never made that mistake again since. And that's why you're in the Shetlands, yes. Aye. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you... What was I going to ask you? Um, no, I'm just going to ask you, are you well? Uh, of course I am. <laughs> yeah. Are you um, well, okay. okay, so the, the ugly cunts are playing um, Liverpool right now. Um, we, we hope that things are going well for the, the Liverpoolians, but we will be playing... Um, the uh, the energy drink um, sports football club tomorrow night in Germany and we'll try and do a, a post-match review I believe that Paddy will be coming back feeling fresh and uh, with new painted toenails um, from his, uh, his, his uh, toenail painting but why don't we finish off for tonight because I'm just like, rattling a load of push. Uh, we're, we're getting to that stage, aren't we? Um, yeah, tomorrow night, hopefully we get that win against Leipzig. I'll take a draw, though, as away from home. But I would love to see us go for the go for the win, get the three points. Oh, can I just uh, pick up on a point? Nobody, um, unless the viewers have made any comments, nobody's actually put me up for this one. I have made six fucking comments about Gangster's Paradise lyrics, and I've not had anybody call me up for it. I've said... You better watch how you're talking or where you're walking or your players might get lined in chalk. I've also said too much television watching got me chasing dreams. I've also said, tell me why are we so blind to see? Look at the situation that got me facing. James Boyce, he's 31 years old, but will he live to see 32 the way things are going? I don't know. Um, Death ain't uh, I, I, I should say, I think it, I, I believe it was Scott Howie. Has uh, he did make a, a point? Bring up, bring up. I, I can't, I'm trying to trace it back there. It was a wobble, but he, he did make a point that he thought you were about to break into song for Gangster Paradise, so it has been spotted. Uh, went completely over my head, though. I'll admit, good, good, right? Okay, catch you. Catch you all later. Hi, hi, thank you guys for popping by. Hopefully, 
I'll not be here tomorrow night because I'm working hopefully the lovely Gav and the Paddy come on for a wee bit of a post-match. But until then, guys, hail, hail, all the best. Yeah.